Hey team, you're about to listen to my interview with Michael Vax from Commerce is Digital. Michael is an e-commerce consultant specializing in B2B e-commerce, and he also has extensive training programs available for both B2C and B2B e-commerce, and he's going to very soon come out with a new B2B CX commerce training program. And I had a really, really good conversation with Michael. We talked about all things digital and B2B and the different types of commerce implementations that most B2B brands undertake. There's also a special offer at the end of this podcast that Michael puts out, especially for our listeners, so you will not want to miss that. Hopefully you get as much out of the second episode of B2B Commerce Corner as I did. Welcome to B2B Commerce Corner. Commerce Corner is a sub-series of the e-commerce edge podcast discussing all things B2B commerce through the lens of agencies, consultants, merchants, and more. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. In fact, this is going to be our second edition, our second episode of the B2B Commerce Corner subseries of the E-Commerce Edge podcast. And it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Michael Vax to the podcast. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. But it's so good to have you here. And we met on LinkedIn, and I think this is going back probably three years ago now or so. And I had the distinct privilege of catching up with you in where you're living now, which is in Barcelona. And we had a fantastic chat. We went to a cafe. We basically got to shoot the breeze. We got to share what our background is, how we came to be even in this space. And I think what we discovered in that initial chat is that we have had some very similar kind of life experiences in the e-commerce space, which has led us down this path of focusing very heavily on B2B. But you're a little bit unique in that you've had so much product experience on the vendor side, which I haven't had, and I'm only just starting to have now with my work with Mikata. And you have a very unique lens both on e-commerce, but in particular on B2B e-commerce. So maybe you can just run through for the audience how you even got involved in this space in the first place. Sure, of course. I first I think I got involved with e-commerce was about 15 years ago. At that time, I was living in Vancouver, Canada. And I became a CTO of a company called Elastic Pass. It's one of the e-commerce vendors. We had a lot of customers like Time Magazine, Semantic, Google Maps, and so on. But when I was joining, I thought, what to do with this e-commerce? Like, it's already done. What is a shopping cart? And that's all, yeah? And this was 15 years ago. So we both know that this industry never stops and just continues to evolve, evolving. And since then, I also was privileged to work for a number of other big, big e-commerce platforms. I worked for Hybras, which is a SAP e-commerce cloud now. And I also was VP of product of German platform Spryker. So that really gave me quite interesting experience to see it from a view of vendors and implementing this functionality B2C and B2B in three different platforms, as well as, of course, working with different customers and so on. So as we talked last time we met, we are in a very exciting industry and I'm still looking forward to learn new things and see where we're actually going. Yeah, and now you've got a very exciting, you've got your own platform now to be able to talk about this independent of vendors because you are now 
an e-commerce consultant. You also put out a significant amount of e-commerce training, particularly focusing on B2B e-commerce. You've got your own training programs, and you are putting out a significant amount of content now, particularly around B2B commerce and trying to help people who work in our industry or people who would like to work in our industry or people who are, for example, working for a B2B merchant today, and either that B2B merchant is doing e-commerce terribly, or they're not doing it at all. And you really now have a, your own platform to be able to start sharing from this breadth of 15 plus years of experience in the space to start sharing that with the wider world. And how did, how did you decide, hey, it's time for me to get out of the product space. I kind of want to do my own thing. I want to have my own gig. I want to have my own consultancy. I want to start putting out content and training around this because I see a massive need for people to level up their skill set to be able to execute on B2B commerce effectively. Yeah, it's, I find out that many businesses are limited in access to e-commerce skills. And any solution is only as good as people who really implement it. And working with many vendors, especially in B2B space, you find out that e-commerce knowledge is really limited. And it was a limiting also ability of businesses to grow. Like you need to have, first of all, you need to have made to hire people, or hire developers, or hire, hire account manager, or hire operational people. And it's difficult to find people with e-commerce experience because everybody wants to hire them. But also what's even more important, you have very talented people in your own business, B2B business or B2C business. They really know their business, but they don't know e-commerce well. And I saw this gap, started to writing about this and starting to present it on some conference. And step by step, I realized that it would be really great if I can start sharing my experience and put it into some training courses. And this is what I did first was a C course that I put online and several months ago, I finished B2B training, which is, you can also find it on my site, commerceisdigital.com. And I think B2B, this knowledge gap, this skills gap in e-commerce is even bigger because in B2C, people are doing e-commerce for a longer time. There's more materials available and so on. But in B2B, many people are just really digging, the, trying the waters and not always doing it and not always fully realizing the potential that they have in the digital business. So I created a B2B course. So now I have two courses, B2C and B2B. More than several hundred people already graduated from it. And now I'm working on another exciting thing. It's mastering customer experience in B2B. Because we all, as consumers, we used to have um, relatively good experiences, sometimes even excellent ex customer experience when we shop online for our own purposes. And in B2B, many sites that you go to, yes, they went online, they have their implementation of B2B, but experience sucks. And this is a problem because businesses are not realizing their full potential. They're not really growing loyalty of their customers, customer satisfaction. And because B2B is so different, and I hope we'll touch more about that in our conversation, I think customer experience in B2B is as important or even more important than in B2C. So my next course will be mastering customer experience for B2B. You raise two excellent points, I think, worth maybe digging a little bit deeper on. One is the fact that B2B e-commerce in particular is so much more immature as of today versus B2C and D2C. And I think that's that's because when we think about who runs these e-commerce operations within these businesses, 
marketers often take the lead on B2C and D2C e-commerce. In fact, oftentimes I've seen e-commerce managers sitting underneath marketing managers or heads of marketing and CMOs. And so oftentimes what we see is that e-commerce and the B2C D2C space is a channel of not only sales, but a channel of marketing. It is run by marketing. It is led by marketing. It is led by people that are trying to sell more stuff. It is led by people that are much more clued up, generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking on customer experience. They're used to getting closer to the customer. They're used to trying to remove friction from the buying experience because that's the whole focus of their life. Their life is acquisition, retention, reducing friction, trying to get a higher LTV, right? And so I think that because B2C and D2C have been so heavily marketing-led over the years as opposed to operationally-led or technically-led, I think that has meant that the advancements in B2C have been much more rapid. Personalization technology has been you know, become the norm. It's become a staple. I think marketing automation, CDPs, first-party, zero-party data, I think all these things, they become the norm as part of B2C, but they are still far and away not the norm in B2B. And I think that's primarily due to a couple of factors. One, you've pointed out the fact that there's a massive skills gap. There's not a lot of people that have both experience in e-commerce and deep experience in B2B businesses and running B2B businesses. But I think the second thing is because most B2B e-commerce functions are owned by IT. They're not owned by sales, right? They're owned by mm -hmm. someone technical or operational in the business because e-commerce and B2B land is so much more operationally heavy that all of a sudden now, instead of having marketers or people really care about the customer experience, creating the experiences, we now have technical and operational people creating these experiences instead. And this is where I think this extreme dichotomy between B2B and B2C has developed. And the final point that you bring up that I think is super relevant is the fact that these B2B businesses oftentimes have very good people in their business that know the business inside and out, whether they're BDRs, BDMs, SDRs, AEs, field sales reps, whether they are administrative people that are helping people place orders manually. There's lots of talent. There's lots of consultative skill in a lot of these B2B businesses, but because they don't have the commensurate e-commerce skill, we need to bring these people up to speed on e-commerce to actually be able to surface their ability, their knowledge, and their skill to an e-commerce audi buying audience. No, you're absolutely right. On marketing, and I actually worked with a number of B2B customers where exactly marketing people were put in charge of even implementing e-commerce projects. And they do know marketing, but their marketing skills are different because their marketing is for getting customers to call salesperson. That's their marketing skills. That's the main marketing skill because sales team was the main channel for that business. Yeah. So it's definitely this skills gap in for this guy are really important to understand because even like we talk, let's talk product information. Yeah. Product information, if your sales team is really knows your product, whatever you have in your ERP, like brief descriptions, some cryptic abbreviation, and all of that, it's okay because your salespeople are very knowledgeable in your business and they can explain everything to customer. But Talking about customer experience when you're going online and salesperson is not present, 
then you actually need a lot of product information. And in B2C, people know this. They create blogs, they have content, they have product descriptions, they translate and all of them. In B2B, they don't have this culture of actually enriching your product data. So they can be consumed by somebody who is not a trained salesperson. So this is just one of the examples how B2B companies are failing to create a really enjoyable self-service experience. And I think what we're talking about here is also not just an owned e-commerce channel or an owned EDI channel or punch out or whatever. And we'll talk about those different mm -hmm. types of executions of digital commerce in a moment. But I think B2B is increasingly starting to realize that not only is their data not in a good enough place from a product perspective to go online in an owned e-commerce environment, but it's not ready for any other digital channel either, both marketing and transactional, meaning that what we're starting to see around the world is the emergence and explosive growth of B2B marketplace channels. And just as you need fantastic product data for your own e-commerce experiences, you need fantastic product data for marketplace shopping experiences. You also need fantastic product data if you're trying to market through digital channels, if you are then trying to tie together the products that, that customers are buying, even if they're B2B customers, and specific attributes of those specific products so that you can then market to them better on a more one-to-one -one personalized basis through digital channels, the product data is at right at the heart and the core of making all of this possible. And so to your point, I, whenever I consult to B2B businesses, I would say in excess of 90% of the time, their product catalog is an absolute disaster from a digital perspective. And it's for the reason you exactly pointed out, which is that their sales team plugs all the gaps in that product information and actually acts as the point of sale for the customer at the end of the day. And so when these questions get asked, they either have the answer right off the top of their head. If it's a small catalog, if it's a big catalog, they go away, they find out the information, and then they communicate it back manually to the customer. And that's just not, that is simply not scalable in a digital world, is it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And to make it worse, in B2B, many businesses are selling very complex product. So actually, you're having more complex product with less information explaining how to use it and what it's for. Yeah, so that is definitely a huge gap. And talking about complex product, you also, there are now e-commerce tools that B2B companies should employ to make it easy for customers to buy complex products, like adding comp uh, product configurators, adding kind of guided selling, when you can really help customers to navigate to what's doing different taxonomy of the catalog. So depending on what customers is looking for, what's their role, to really direct them to the, to, the, to the right place, yeah? So we have A, a product data in a bad form, and we have more complex products to sell. So this is just really multiplies the problem if not addressed. No question about that. And if we switch gears for just a moment here, and we start talking about the types of digital channels that B2B businesses have the ability to implement today and have implemented almost since time immemorial from a digital perspective, we have three, to my mind, we really have three primary channels and maybe a fourth secondary channel. Those three primary channels are self-service e-commerce platforms, which we all know and love, whether that's, whether that's a dedicated B2B e-commerce platform or a B2C platform that has since had B2B functionality bolted onto it, the likes of BigCommerce and the VTexes of the world, the Salesforce Commerce Clouds of the world, 
even the SAP platforms of the world. We have a lot of platforms, the Peppery, and we have some dedicated B2B platforms. Plus we have these other platforms that have plugins or apps that can add B2B functionality. So we've got this self-service B2B e-commerce platform space. And this is something that sometimes B2B merchants will implement. We have EDI, which is electronic data interchange. And that's been the standard default integration of choice between very large vendors and very large B2B customers, because effectively the customer's ERP is what generates the PO that is automatically funneled via EDI to the vendor's platform and ERP of choice. The order is automatically lodged. It's automatically dispatched and automatically updated back to the buyer's ERP via EDI. And so there's no humans involved in that apart from maybe at the PO end, if a human being needs to authorize the PO and the buyer's ERP. But for in large part, that hands off. That, that, that is a digital channel, yes, uh, but it is largely mm-hmm. hands off. And then we have this final sort of major way that, that B2B businesses implement e-commerce or digital commerce, and that's via digital punch out. And that's the one I'd like to get you to speak to in a little bit more detail because in the circles that I run in, That is not a common digital channel I see implemented very often, but it feels like it's almost a hybrid between EDI and self-service e-commerce in that you still have this e-commerce interface that's run by humans, but in terms of the transactional integration, that is still directly integrated. There's no human being that has anything to do with that. And so maybe I can get you to speak specifically to B2B commerce punch out digital solutions and what that means for merchants. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very confusing term. At least I was confused by it when I first started working on this at Hybers SAP Commerce Cloud. Yes, punch out. First of all, let's talk about what's the purpose of it. And then we'll discuss how it works. It's like many organizations have their own procurement systems that they use to place any order. And in this system, they have some special workflow, some special approval process, some special business rules to be done and so on. So now, even with e-commerce, this business would like to have this purchase order and sales process go through this procurement system because then it basically just follows standard processes that they define. Punch-out really allows these B2B buyers to bring online commerce inside their procurement system. So it works like that. Uh, You're a buyer in B2B business. And you have some punch-out integration, and we'll talk a bit later what does it mean. And, okay, I'm looking through some list of products. You're finding the products that you want, and you find that they are offered by one of the vendors who has an online store. You automatically go to this online store from inside your procurement system. So you're pressing some buttons there, and you uh, appear on a on normally looking online store of this vendor who you want to buy from. All authentication and everything kind of handled automatically. So you browse the store, you find products that you need, you add them to your cart, and then when you're ready to buy them, instead of button pressing button go to a checkout, there will be another button which is called punch out. So you press this button punch out, and basically the term comes, you punch out the shopping cart from e-commerce online store into your procurement system. So this shopping cart is transferred to your system, and then you can basically follow your procurement system flow and so on. So this is in essence uh, what is punch out. 
So again, you start the process from inside your procurement system. You go to online shop, you select what you want, you take this shopping cart and bring it back as a draft order into your procurement system. So this is the essence of it. In order to, you need to have integration, punch out integration between the merchant that sells to you and your procurement system. Procurement system, there's millions of them, but it can be a part of your ERP or it can be a separate one. It can be a RIBA, it can be some SAP system, you name it. There's really hundreds of them. So you need to implement the merchant needs to implement integration, child integration between merchants online store and your procurement system. During this integration, in addition to establishing authentication and so on, your catalog is transferred from e-commerce system to this procurement system. So basically people can do search of your product inside the procurement, procurement system. Yeah? Then there's also a protocol of taking this card and bringing this back and so on. So for merchants, it's important because many big customers may decide not to do business with you if you don't provide it. Because basically have these processes that are in the procurement system that every order should follow. Yeah? There are, of course, co some costs involved. So punch out, there's two protocols, one called OCI, another is CXML. And despite this kind of the standard, these protocols, every integration still requires some efforts to do. And also because there's hundreds of these procurement systems and there are all some mapping that needs to be done in this protocol, it's not the easy thing. So most of the merchants are using some what's called punch out gateway, punch out to go, for example, or punch out catalogs. And they basically, these gateways know how to connect to these hundreds of procurement systems. And they may have already pre-coded integration with your e-commerce system, whatever it is. It can be Magenta, it can be Spryker, it can be Oro, whatever system you, you are using. Yeah? So this is how it works. So basically, you, your online store, you hire services, punch out gateway, you integrate your procurement system with online store. There's a cost involved because usually this punch out gateway really charge you per connection. So uh -huh. you have price per customer, yeah? So this is why it only makes sense to do it for big customers, but you have enough revenue to justify it. There's also some downside for e-commerce vendor because after this shopping cart has been punched out into procurement system, you actually don't know what's happened afterward. You may or may not receive the order and you don't know if this order was created or punch out and so on. If you do integration a bit further, you can actually bring also orders that were placed using this punch out back to your e-commerce system. And then through self-service customers can see, but not everybody is doing this. So to degree, it can be a bit of black hole. Yes, it's great that you have this integration, but you don't know for sure if order has been placed. And so I guess the alternate method of getting that order back into your system from the procurement system is via EDI. So I'm guessing that sometimes these procurement systems once they've brought down the catalog information, the pricing information, the shopping cart that they've created through the punch-out interface and middleware, then ultimately when they decide to create the order in the procurement system, which ultimately probably lands in an ERP as a PO, then from that point, the order can actually be placed via EDI using that PO number, I'm guessing in terms of executing the actual transaction itself. So it sounds like that although the order may start in procurement, it may end via EDI. 
maybe basically if you have in addition to punch out integration you have edi integration between businesses yes that you'll see it this way or somebody may you may just maybe send you a paper order like who knows yeah but also if you go a bit next step in punch out integration you can actually bring purchase orders as well through punch out protocols not through edi protocol so both options are possible but because it's more integration effort some companies are really stopped on just integrating catalog and ability to send shopping cart makes complete sense and i guess one of the key points that we need to raise here is the fact that in eat in both edi and punch out protocols there are multiple languages there's multiple protocols that fall under this umbrella of either edi or punch out or some combination of the two and oftentimes when B2B businesses hear this language of EDI, they just think, oh, there's just one global standard for EDI, and we put in maybe a, a specialized EDI integration piece of middleware, and boom, we're up and running in, in 24 hours kind of thing. And it's the same with punch-out. So they think, I think when they hear that term punch-out, cool, we'll implement this punch-out middleware tool that's already got a connector to our e-commerce platform and a connector to the procurement platform, and Bob's your uncle, we're up and running, there's no extra effort required. But I think what we want to make very clear is that there is no global standard for EDI. There is no single global standard for global punch-out integration. And so therefore, there is effort and time required to get these digital channels up, running, and enabled and mapped between your e-commerce system, whether it's bespoke or off-the-shelf e-commerce, or whether you're integrating directly with, say, your ERP, and the purchasing system on the other end of the table. And the and that purchasing system could be as something as simple as a spreadsheet. It could be something as complex as a purchasing and procurement platform, or it could be something as standard as an ERP. And some ERPs are very common and they're global in nature, like a NetSuite, but then there's a, a D365, et cetera. And then there's other ERPs, which are on-prem and esoteric and local in nature, and nobody's ever heard of them before. So I think what we're trying to say here is that whilst we're talking about concepts that in and of themselves sound pretty simple, there's actually a lot of complexity involved. And that's one of the things that makes B2B commerce more complex than B2C commerce because, or D2C commerce because you simply do not have these complexities at all in the B2C, D2C world. Absolutely. And let's talk more about complexity because as many as they come in many flavors, but this, to finish with Punch-Out, you're absolutely right. Some efforts are definitely involved and involved on IT part, IT departments on both sides. The best solution if you are really have using the Punch-Out gateway that has integration with your e-commerce platform and with whatever version you're using of e-commerce platform, then after you establish some authentication, you may still need to do some mapping of different fields, like this field in procurement means this order number and the commerce system, it may be different field and so on. But usually if integration already implemented, there's some interface where some a bit more technically uh, technical people can actually do this mapping, but then you also need to test it and so on. And if you are dealing with some ERP systems that is not that common or really this data around orders and products are customized really significantly, then you may even need to do some development to make integration work. work. Yeah. So it's all doable, but it only makes sense to do it for really large customers to justify the cost. And you do need some technical resource or consulting to do it, as you said. Are you a small or medium-sized wholesaler that currently processes your transactions manually? 
or maybe you're a D2C merchant that is looking to expand and add a B2B e-commerce channel, but don't know how. Well, if you're ready to take the next steps on your B2B merchant journey, check out Mikata.cloud today to find out more about the e-commerce platform built from the ground up for small and medium B2B merchants. That's Mikata.cloud, M-I-K-A-T-A.cloud. And I think that raises a very good point, which is why self-service B2B e-commerce using more traditional e-commerce platforms and experiences are becoming so incredibly popular in the market today and why the solution side, the vendor side is absolutely exploding with new technology and new experiences is because whether you go down the EDI track or the punch out track, there is generally quite a significant amount of integration effort required, a lot of technical effort required, a lot of IT team involvement usually, a lot of partnerships involved. And it starts to get very, not only complex, but very expensive and very time consuming at the same time. Whereas B2B e-commerce, which is familiar to most B2B customers, B2B buyers, because in their daily life, they're using B2C, D2C e-commerce websites to make their daily purchases just to live as a consumer. Now, all of a sudden, if we can present them with a B2B e-commerce experience that is very similar and B2C, D2C like, but with all the additional B2B commerce functionality layered on top of that, i.e., you know, I get to see the catalog that I'm supposed to see, even if it's a restricted catalog and I have items that only I can buy or only I can see. I have my own price lists. I have the ability to request a quote like I would through my field sales rep. I have the ability to buy on account and be able to see my credit stop limit within my checkout, to be able to have the ability to bring my own carrier rates for free onboard shipping and all these other things that are very common in the B2B space. Now, if we can layer all that additional B2B functionality on top of a very B2C, D2C-like e-commerce experience, now we're cooking with gas. And I think that's one of the things that has brought B2B commerce, particularly during COVID, where field sales reps couldn't even go and see customers anymore. They had to implement digital channels really to be able to execute transactions, particularly replenishment transactions. Why wouldn't you want to move that to an e-commerce environment? Absolutely. You are rightly pointing out that uh, B2B e-commerce just explores, like really. And you can see it even with vendors. Because before pandemic, two, three years ago, not many vendors were actually supporting B2B commerce. Now, practically everybody put development efforts toward it. Uh, I still recommend people to be very careful and check if uh, the vendor really supports B2B commerce because uh, some of them are still claiming to support, but not really doing it fully. Also, to be commerce, they have a generic term, but there are so many different b- type of businesses behind it. Some B2B businesses selling kind of simple products with just basically just buying office suppliers, let's say, yeah. While others are manufacturers and creating or selling some custom products. So you need to check, look at B2B vendor and check what kind of B2B actually features does it support. Check the reference. Do they have they worked with your type of B2B businesses? And if they do, you'll find all these features that you mentioned, all this ability to support custom price lists customer shipping parameters, whatever you you have in your contract already. Ability to customize the product, ability to configure complex product. And which is super, super important is ability to support sales team. 
because self-esteem is still the really the main no, uh, source of knowledge about the product. So what you need to achieve is somehow converge this experience of self-esteem with digital process, make really merge this experience, ability to sales people to assist customers where needed to consult customers to share their knowledge but using the digital technology that is incorporated into your online store i think this is the key and i think that there's some other b2b functionality that sometimes when merchants are going out and starting to look at platforms and consider platforms that they don't necessarily they have the assumption it's very similar to the b2c d2c world right a lot of merchants, when they start looking at platforms, they have a tremendous number of assumptions. Oh, of course, I don't even need to check if this platform does this because this isn't, doesn't every business need this functionality? No, you can't really take it for granted that a platform is going to be able to out of the box do everything that your business needs it to do because you don't think your business is necessarily that special. No, we actually do need to drill down into that nitty gritty. And there's a lot more nitty gritty in the B2B space than there is in the B2C space. Of course, and, I'm yes. and I'm thinking of things like cues, indent ordering, ordering to mm -hmm. manufacture. I'm talking of things like incremental buying, meaning, okay, I can buy this SKU in quantities of 20 or in increments of 20, 20, 40, 60, 80. I can buy this other SKU in increments of five. So five, 10, 15, 20, 25. There are mm -hmm. many, many more unique pieces of functionality that when I go in and I consult to B2B merchants, oftentimes they go, doesn't every B2B platform do that? No, no, they don't. And so that's why when we get into discovery with B2B businesses, I find that the discovery in B2B businesses tends to be about 25 to 50% longer. It takes about 25 to 50% more time to do deep dive discovery with B2B businesses versus D2C businesses or B2C businesses simply because there's a lot more complexity in that space as a general rule. And it doesn't just come down to the complexity of the products where oftentimes there can be very technical documentations and PDFs and schematics and all sorts of things that go along with buying that product and configuring that product for purchase, as you point out, but also the sales process itself tends to be much more convoluted in the B2B world versus the B2C, D2C world. And I think these are the things that a lot of B2B businesses, when they think of adopting e-commerce, they sometimes come to me and they say, can't we, just, can't we just implement Shopify like everybody else out there and we're off to the races? Well, no, you can't because these 53 requirements you have as part of your business process do not exist in Shopify, even with apps. And so these are the kinds of discussions I think you and I are having pretty routinely with a lot of B2B businesses. Absolutely, I have exactly the same experience. Other reason why the discovery process can take lo longer in B2B, because in parallel of discovering of e-commerce platform, I find out that many businesses I work with, they are actually spending time discovering their own business, discovering the existing processes, discovering how actually it works there, how prices are defined, how prices are determined, because so much knowledge is and power in sales team so this kind of between people in this group inside the businesses, they know how things work or they know how to fix that things don't work. But if you want to put this into requirement for your online channel implementation, then you really need to discover all this basically folklore, all this unspoken rule. So I find out that, I don't know if it's your experience as well, but you're basically doing discovery on both sides. You're 100% doing that and you're helping them, especially if it's a large B2B organization, sometimes the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing to the point where sometimes the management of the business doesn't even know where 
the B2B salespeople are getting the information that they're giving to the customer. I was working with a multi-billion dollar B2B business several years ago. They had no e-commerce. I don't know how you can be a multi-billion dollar multinational business and not be doing e-commerce at all, but they weren't yet. And they were looking at implementing e-commerce. But what they found was, is that in many instances, their salespeople had physical catalogs, print catalogs for certain products and parts and components that went back literally 20 years. And so they basically had in some of their offices, they literally had a wall of books that were like a library, an internal library. And only the salespeople knew which book to go and get out of the library to get specific information about products. And in some cases, that product information only existed in print form, and it only existed in a catalog that was maybe 10 years old. And so to try to extract that information and get it in digital equivalent for some of these businesses is exceptionally hard, especially if they don't even know that's where they're getting the information from or where their salespeople are getting the information from. Yes, yes, absolutely. And this also... This is why it's so important to actually close this gap of knowledge. So people who are implementing e-commerce and people who actually run the business, they speak the same language. Because then yes. they can actually go into this process. They can map them in the most efficient way. And also maybe discover some processes that don't make sense anymore. Or do some cleanup of the pricing lists because there's created too many. And some of them, you are really maybe even losing money by applying them because, again, it was created 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, there was good reason to create it, but not anymore. I see this so often. One of the first things that I do, and I'd love to know whether you're similar. One of the first things I do when I go in and I start consulting with these B2B businesses, particularly the more complex and the bigger ones, I ask them to give me a sample. I say, can you give me a sample? of your product data for 20 representative products from your catalog that represent maybe one product from all the different categories that you sell. Show me what product data you have, say for example, from your ERP, if that's the, if that's the quote unquote single source of truth of your product data today, let's say they don't have a PIM, they don't have any other system other than their ERP. Can you export to a CSV for me or a spreadsheet or an Excel for me, the pro representative product data of 20 products? And can you do the same for 20 customers? Can you help me to better understand your business by doing that for me? And usually, once they do that and they show me some representative samples of both their mm -hmm. product and their customer data, I can immediately see where their challenges are. And I can immediately see where their problems are internally as a business. And I can immediately see the challenges we're going to have to try to implement digital channels and a digital stack for that business. And usually you can give them insights and enlightenment to their own business that sometimes if they're not really as cross-functionally aware as we would like them to be, oftentimes it gives them insights they don't even know themselves. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's actually a good exercise that benefit business from really multiple perspectives, yeah? And it's not only product data. I already mentioned prices, and we all know that in B2B prices can be customer-specific, but not for all products, maybe for some products, and some discounts maybe only for particular categories, but some dis other discounts can be by product. And it creates such a complexity that I once had a request from one B2B customer. They basically ask to generate price list and ability to upload this CSV from online shop. They basically say, because customers sometimes also don't know how much things cost. And they don't know all these agreements that we had during several years of our relation. Yeah? So the only way for them to, the easiest way for them to get this 
pricing data as a list, just CSV list to customers was not through ERP, but through CSV expert from online shop. Yeah. So there's no transparency. And when implementing digital channels, it's a good really opportunity to understand exactly how your business works at now and maybe even optimize some things. And the great thing is that B2B e-commerce platforms, PIMP systems, all the other ancillary systems that oftentimes get implemented alongside or before e-commerce within B2B businesses, the great thing about this is a lot of these systems come built in with inherently improved processes over the processes of today that are analog, right? And so what I think business B2B businesses really need to think about, they say, okay, sure, we need to see whether and what percentage of our existing processes can be translated into digital equivalents. But I think to your point, you make a very good point here, which is it's an opportunity to question some of those processes that maybe have developed, quote unquote, organically over time and to see whether they're actually still relevant to the business today in the context of digital channels. And sometimes when we do that legwork and we say, okay, let's look at the existing processes. And oftentimes they just say, we just want to translate those to digital equivalents, just straight across one for one, wherever possible. But then when you look at that and you look at it a little bit harder and you go, actually, there's some, and sure, we could maybe customize a platform to make all this completely possible exactly as it is today. But if we take the 80-20 rule and we say, if 80% of your existing processes can be accommodated by a target system using native processes inside those systems with maybe some slight tweaks to your process, why wouldn't we go as out of the box as possible with that and adapt your processes instead of adapting the system, which in some cases can be quite rigid? Why would we try to adapt the system to you when you can much more easily adapt you to the system? And sometimes those inerrant processes are significantly improved and significantly more efficient than those legacy analog processes within the business. You're absolutely right. And I want to add to this that by doing this, you actually save money on implementation because you'll have less custom features built. You have money and time. So it's really worth doing this process re-engineering. It's a great opportunity to do it. And I think it, it really creates an opportunity for some deep introspection in all aspects of these B2B businesses that are, in many cases, they're operating in very traditional industries. They're using very traditional processes. They're using very traditional go-to-market and sales processes and teams. So I think oftentimes we not only need to look at process engineering, but we need to look at organizational design. And as you rightly pointed out right at the beginning of this conversation, oftentimes these businesses have experts within their business that are expert in B2B. And if we can bring them, if we can upskill them on the e-commerce piece, then they will make fantastic, for example, e-commerce managers, heads of digital, CDOs. These people will make fantastic assets on the digital teams within your business if you take the time, the energy, the respect, and the love to train them up. If they show interest in doing that and they say, look, sure, I've been doing these analog processes and I've been running this business in a very traditional way for a decade, but now I'd, I'd love to get involved in this whole new digital thing. If you just ask the question across your team, oftentimes you will find people that are really keen to get involved in the digital side of the business, but you will never know that unless you ask the question. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's much better than only hire agency, only hire external consultant, because in this case, you're losing this knowledge of the business. You really need to merge them together. And I think that's a really great point. And I think that bringing the team, the internal teams on the journey, as opposed to springing it on them after you're 80% of the way done with a new e-commerce build, 
they, you can get a lot of pushback, particularly from sales teams. And I'd love to know whether that's the biggest area of pushback that you see, because it is for me. When I go in and I consult with B2B businesses, that generally speaking, the biggest area of pushback is from sales teams, field sales reps, AEs, and the like, because they think digital is going to replace them. And, I, and, the, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I think one of the key ways that I try to have this discussion, they're the first team I generally will speak to when I go into these businesses to get them on board, get them on the bus for this new digital transformation journey, because you can't do it without them. It's impossible. And the, you don't want subterfuge. You don't want people torpedoing your project just because they're so anti-digital, because they feel it's a threat to their position in the business and their knowledge in the business. But I don't know a single salesperson alive that loves manual processes and administration, right? And up to mm -hmm. 50% of a salesperson's time is just doing manual admin and inputting orders into ERP systems and sending out spreadsheets to their customers. And so I think that if you can get sales teams on board by saying, look, you're still going to get credit for the sales. They're a named account. They're assigned to you. But for replenishment orders, why wouldn't you just want to send them to the website to place replenishment orders? Why do they need to channel those orders through you? It doesn't, it, it's a complete waste of your time. You're not out there building a deeper relationship. You're not showing them new products. You're not helping to negotiate better trading terms for both parties. You're not, you're not doing all these things that salespeople are super good at building relationships for and acquiring new customers. They don't have time to do that because they're doing administrative work. I don't know a single salesperson alive that wouldn't like to offload replenishment reordering to an e-commerce website. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. They basically can be made much more productive. And with the new tools that B2B e-commerce platforms offer, you can actually go beyond just replenishment and reordering. Because what you really need to look in B2B e-commerce platform is ability for salesperson to log in to online store on behalf of customer. Help to create shopping cart, help to create proposal, like all work on creating requests for quotes and all negotiation with the customer should also happen in online store. And the reason for this is that we actually optimize online store for discovering product, for adding product, for finding the really optimized search, ability to maintain multiple shopping carts and so on. So we're giving salespeople ability to create shopping cart or shopping list or respond to the quote inside this already optimized and beautiful online store that business just created. Yeah. So that's a kind of one thing that really must for me that salespeople should have special access to online store on behalf of customer, help them and answer the question and so on. There are also like things like you should be able to add comments to order or to shopping cart or to line in this order and both customers and salespersons can negotiate and actually comment on this yeah that really gives salespeople a power because a customer is saying i want to have this complex product can you configure it for me yes salesperson can log in configure it add to shopping cart ask customer if this is what they want and so on the same as applying different discount, applying different price and so on. So I really see this B2B online store is a tool for both buyer and seller and tool for them to work together. No question about it. I see that I've been in situations where I've seen salespeople's eyes light up when you demonstrate, for example, where a customer puts a request for quote through the e-commerce platform, sends the salesperson an automatic notification. They click the link in their email. It takes them directly to the e-commerce platform where they can either have a conversation effectively almost like live chat backwards and forwards and negotiate digitally through that communication channel of the e-commerce website, negotiate the quote, get the request, get the authorization all digitally. 
And as you say, add the products to the cart on behalf of the customer. And all the customer has to do then is log in and basically click checkout. Okay, yes, job done. And so I think what this does is it closes the gap between salesperson and customer, particularly in terms of turnaround times for responses for not only quotes, but product information and all the other things that you referred to in terms of, okay, I do all these manual processes with my customers and manual touch points with my customers today. Let's turn those into a digital equivalents, which are much more frictionless for not only the customer, but for the salesperson as well. And particularly around, because what I see with requests for quote, for example, so it's not just price that they're oftentimes wanting to negotiate. So maybe they're trying to bulk buy and they're saying, hey, here's my normal trade price. Can I get this better price if I buy 5,000 of this widget instead of my normal 50 MOQ? Yes, there's a lot of that. But there's also a lot of negotiation around that MOQ, around the incremental buying, around requesting samples, around requesting, hey, you have this product on my catalog and available to me, but I need this variant of this product, which I don't see on my catalog. Hey, Mr. Sales Rep, can you go out and find me this product or do you have it? It's just not been exposed to my price list yet. There's all sorts of combinations of this type of communication that are happening today via email, via Slack, via Zoom call. There's so many communications around that interface between sales rep and buyer that happens today in a very manual way that all of a sudden we can automate so much of this through the e-commerce platform if we know that's something that we're trying to replace, that we're trying to make more efficient. But I think that goes back to that deep dive discovery that you referred to. Yes, absolutely. And in addition to, I cannot find this product, there's also a question of compatibility of different products when they bought together, compatibility of this part with the equipment they already have and so on and so forth. Yeah. So there's a lot of relations and they implemented as merchandising relations inside e-commerce platform. But in reality, this is something that some product become discontinued. You cannot even buy it, or this product is not compatible with you, with your with equipment you already have, or this job that you have in mind. Yeah. So all of this information can be a made available for self-service. And also it will be easy for salesperson, your could be as a consultant, act as a consultant and point it out to you. Okay, no, you want to buy this, but I suggest this one, this is a new model or work better for you and so on. And I think this actually creates that faster turnaround time of information. I, I, this benefits B2B businesses in ways that they can't even think of today. So there's always a delay, right? If somebody, if a B2B buyer sends you an email as a sales rep, then you know you might be busy, you might not turn it around very quickly, it might take you 24 hours, whatever. Well, in the meantime, they have, might have found another B2B supplier. Or if you're out of stock of an item, for example, and the customer can request feedback via a digital channel and the sales rep is living in the digital channel and they basically almost got like an inbox box that they're just going through one by one and they can help the customer and resolve the issue straight away. For example, if they know a product is inbound, then they can put the product back in stock straight away. And then they can go back to the customer and say, oh no, that, that product is going to arrive tomorrow. I've added it to your cart for you. You can go ahead and check out with that. We'll ship it out tomorrow, the next day for you. There, there is so much friction that can be removed through the information exchange process that all of a sudden now you become the go-to supplier versus the supplier that takes a week to get back to the customer. Absolutely. This is what I'm telling always my customers that for B2B buyer, the most precious resource they have is their time because people coming to your site to do their job and they're all busy, they're under a lot of pressure, they don't want to make mistakes because mistakes are super costly, but time is of the essence. 
And if you can cut time of these buyers, getting to right information, getting to right product, and completing the selecting the product, completing the purchase process, getting approval and getting delivery, if you can cut time on all the steps and create really great customer experience, people may ignore even the price. There was some research, I don't remember who done it, but I saw it that many B2B buyers will go even for higher price if they can go through this process seamlessly, if they can gain time, because time is also money. We see this in the B2C, D2C world all the time too. Time is of the essence for almost everybody nowadays. And a lot of B2C, D2C buyers are buying from work on their lunch break or whatever, but it's even more acute in the B2B world where the buying process tends to be much more complex tends to be a lot more fraught and a lot more risky, as you say, in terms of product information, product fit for the application, et cetera. There's a lot more to it. And because it's more complex, there's a lot more risk of getting it wrong. And even if it's down to sending a CSV across via email to your account sales rep, the reality is it's pretty easy to get a spreadsheet wrong. Whereas if you're seeing the product directly in front of you and you're adding it to your cart, or if it's part of your, it's part of a saved shopping cart, or it's part of a approval process, on the hierarchy of the buyer side. That's another thing that we oftentimes have to deal with in B2B is we have maybe a senior buyer, a junior buyer, and then a, someone in procurement that actually authorizes the final purchase of that product. And so I think that if we can bring all of this additional functionality into a digital environment, really what it does is it de-risks the buying experience for the buyer. And I think anything that de-risks that, and yes, gives them back their time, but I think there's a balance between saving them time, but also de-risking the buying journey, mm -hmm. I think that's a massive benefit to B2B buyers. Absolutely. Both of them are super important. Listen, mate, this has been an absolutely amazing discussion. I, I really have enjoyed this. And as we come down to the end of our time together, this is, the, this is a chance for me to turn the microphone over to you. I do it with every podcast episode. I get to let you ask me one question. Any question you like can be personal, can be professional. So I'd love to turn the microphone over to you, Michael Vax. What is your question for me today? Ah, my question goes to your other podcast series where you interview all these interesting founders with all different technologies. Yeah. How do you prepare? Because what amazed me that you start every interview with them, with discussing their business, and you do it with such precision in such terms that many of them saying, Jason, you got it absolutely, I have nothing to add. So how you managed to do it? Thank you so much. That is such a great question. Funnily enough, and I've had a lot of people wonder, do you do a pre-interview call? Do you align on an agenda? Do you tell them in advance the five questions that you're going to ask them? And I do none of the above. I, my, my podcast is not pre-scripted. I always, from the very beginning, I intentionally did not have the podcast be scripted because I wanted it to come across as very authentic, very genuine, very conversational. That was always my goal. I almost wanted to model it on the Joe Rogan podcast in the sense that he just has a he, he has his guests sit down and he has a conversation with them. They talk about stuff they love. He talks about stuff he loves. And it's a great, it's a great conversation. And I wanted to emulate that with my podcast, but more through a technical lens, of course. And so I've never pre-prepared. What I'll usually do before someone comes on I'll spend literally five minutes before we go on air. I'll go check out their website of their platform. I'll try to make sure that I at least understand what their platform does at a basic kind of umbrella perspective. Then I go to their LinkedIn profile. I make sure that I understand a little bit about their background, how they came to be where they are, the kind of roles that they've held previously, where they live, those kinds of things. 
But really, it's literally five, definitely no more than 10 minutes of pre-preparation before we go live. And I find that it's almost like cramming before a test, right? I find that if I do that refresher right before we go on air, then that information is fresh in my mind. And that helps to frame the context of the questions that I ask. To answer your question, I don't do a lot of pre-prep. And I'm just very fortunate that I've been exposed to so much technology over the last 20 years in the commerce space that I've, if I haven't heard of their specific technology, maybe I've heard of something similar to it or working in a similar space. And so that kind of helps me to contextualize the questions. Oh, well, it's super impressive, Jason. It's a really pleasure to have podcasts like yours. I'm learning a lot. This is how we actually we met because I started listening to your podcast and I'm going to, I'm really privileged for me to be a guest here and yeah. One more thing I wanted to add at the end. I would like to offer a 40% discount to online e-commerce courses, C2C and B2B, to all listeners to this episode. So there will be a special discount code, EE Podcast, and Jason will share it on, on podcast episode. And I really believe that we all need to put efforts into increasing e-commerce knowledge inside our organizations because it really helps us to be successful in this digital transformation. Mate, that is such an incredibly generous offer. 40% off your e-commerce courses on the website Commerce is Digital. So C-O-M-E-R-C-E-I-S-D-I-G-I-T-A-L, commerceisdigital.com. Go there. And what I'll do is I'll put that, I'll put that coupon code into the show notes of this podcast. You'll be able to go there. And you'll be able to put that in and you'll be able to get that 40% discount. Thank you so much, Michael Vax. Is that the best way for people to get in touch with you is to go to commercesdigital.com? Do you like people to reach out to you on LinkedIn? How do you prefer people find, find you and get in touch with you? I think LinkedIn really works the best, but website as well. Of course, there's some different forms. If people want to order group training for their, for their team or for a large organization, I even offer what's called enterprise license, where basically everybody with your company email address can get access to the course. So whatever works for you, LinkedIn or the website. Michael, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you. You're such a deep wealth of knowledge, given your, your long career in the digital and e-commerce space especially from a product perspective. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with me and the audience today, and I can't wait to get you back on soon. So thank you so much, my friend. If you're into B2B commerce and you'd like to be a guest on B2B Commerce Corner, then just send an email to jason at greenwoodconsulting.net and we can explore it.